Hello and welcome. I'm Pooja Sarkar and you're listening to Capital Ideas, our latest podcast from Forbes India, where we will be speaking to leaders from the world of business, economics, finance and everything else in between. Now, this is our second episode and thank you so much for all the love that you sent our way for our first episode with Steve Schwarzman. Now, today's guest is a lady who is the first CII woman chairperson a few years back and someone who dons many hats at Apollo Hospitals. Now, I thought with so much of consolidation peaking in the online pharmacy space with Reliance acquiring NetMeds or the merger between Pharmacy and MedLife, I thought who better than Shobhana Kamineni, Executive Vice Chairperson at Apollo Hospital to answer these questions and how she plans to take on the competition. After all, Apollo Pharmacy has nearly 3,800 retail pharmacy outlets in the country and what are the next growth wheels for the hospital chain and much more. Now, thank you so much Shobhana for being on our show. You are the CII leader, the woman leader, the first woman leader in India. How does that feel? Uh, it was a long time ago, but I, by the way, I like your name, Capital Ideas. I really hope you get some good ones on this show. But um, yeah, so I, I was, uh, I think that it's been three years now, but during that time, it seemed like such a different world. Uh, I traveled, uh, I traveled 400,000 kilometers that one year. And <laughs> And the very and, and the thought of traveling uh, during this time is just like its universe is apart right now. But um, I think that what we did, what I learned, what we established uh, was all uh, something that is lasting. And and um, I really appreciate and uh, and I think that part of my life was uh, very exciting. And while growing up, did you, because you come from the promoter family, did you think that you will get into the business? What really excited you when you were growing up that, you know, I do want to get into the business or do you want to get into the other part of the business or not just the healthcare? What was in your mind while growing up? Or how difficult was it to get into the boardroom later? So I tell you, uh, we're actually, um, we helped build the business. We're part of the founder. So, you know, that was my first job. When I was in college, I was kind of helping out. And uh, so it just naturally got into it. And we learned as we went along. And by the time I was 26, 27, I had uh, done the project management for, for three of our largest hospitals. So it was just, I, I was into it from day one. At 26, I, 27, I presented our case study at Harvard the Apollo case study. So, so you know, I, I think it was a natural evolution of growing this business, uh, of being part, truly part of the founding family. So I don't have the luxury of being my kids <laughs> who, have, who grew up being in Apollo. Okay. And tell me something. A lot of women say that, you know, A, a lot of women, if you see the studies that are coming over the last few years, many women are moving out of the workforce, especially in urban India. And a lot of women also complain at leadership positions about mansplaining. Do you see it often? What is your advice to women? It's a hundred percent problem. Uh, during my year at CII uh, as president, I did uh, create 
a movement. Uh, CII itself has a very, very strong uh, arm for women and uh, the, you know, the women network. But having said that, um, you know, that all of us realize the potential of 50% of India's workforce coming in and contributing vis-a-vis the 17% that is there now and which has declined actually. So, you know, so I think that we understand the problem, we understand the potential, but how do we solve it? I, I would really, uh, you know, there are many answers, many of them are not working and many of them have actually, uh, you know, become worse because of the pandemic. I, I used to think that the pandemic was a perfect opportunity for women in the workplace because you didn't have the challenge of going to work, you could just work from home. But that's really not the case because it, when, when people were cutting down jobs, actually the women's jobs were the most vulnerable. That's what went away, jobs that, that women were traditionally doing, which they were doing at a workplace, a service job or, uh, you know, things that couldn't really be done remotely. Those went away, highly women-oriented. Many others that when they were in the workplace, there was again pressure. So, so we're not seeing a real normal for women yet. We're still in the middle of a lot of churn. I would think that, uh, that, the, that, that uh, the governments, the state, the, the social enterprises and businesses should work a lot harder to make sure that, uh, that there's real empowerment. Uh, one is because truly this pandemic has brought an opportunity of, of this entire digital world that you can be anywhere. And I think for those digital jobs, women are fantastic for collaboration and, and uh, from being able to work from, from home and uh, still manage a family. Uh, we're great multitaskers. So I do hope that, uh, that, that this tide will turn. True. Uh, yeah, because we were working on a story on the same lines where uh, I was reaching out to a lot of women who talked about uh, women who've just had kids who are just between, who've just moved out of the entire six months maternity leave period, but who are, who've been just locked down and how women have been forced to get out of workforce because they're not able to handle family plus work at the same time. And then even in normal course of work, we've seen a lot of women being handed out pink slips during the pandemic. Yeah, there is some amount of unfairness in that. And I do hope the pandemic will, because I've seen lots of our uh, executives when I'm on a Zoom call and their kids come across. Uh, it's, it's, it's a way of life. And, and as long as productivity doesn't suffer, and that's what I want to say, this is a generational shift. Women working is, is a generational shift. So I think that the more educated moms and, and parents there are out there, they will encourage and make it a normal for children to work. My, my girls uh, didn't think twice. And, and my son, I, don't, I think he would find it. He came to me and said, you know, I would probably not be able to marry anyone who is not uh, working too, because otherwise, you know, it ha that's a world where they look at, you know, it, it is normal. So give it, a, give it a generation. I think India has a huge opportunity in, in women coming into the workforce. So I continue to educate, I mean, stress uh, and emphasize on educating women. You know, it starts from there.
taking it towards the business, the entire Apollo pharmacy transaction that has recently happened where from the Apollo hospitals, the demerger that has happened, if you can take us through it, what are really the plans for the pharmacy business? Uh, what, what do you have to say about the pharmacy business? So um, one is that I must tell you the truth that uh, the pharmacy demerger was, was really because of compliance uh, the you know that the that the laws of India are such that that the pharmacy when it started was just you know we always looked at it as hey we're just a part of Apollo which is patient care and the big thing and and suddenly it became materially significant when you have three thousand eight hundred pharmacies and 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 such a turnover and you're making profits it became materially significant at which time we said it's important because the rules of the country are such. So it took a long time because there are almost 15,000 permissions that are required to, to do such a task, you know, in so many states, so many locations. It's not an easy task. Fortunately, uh, you know, we were able to manage it. It took over a year and now it's the NCLT. Everything is really clear, the decks are clear. So what it's actually given us is the ability to have a great new company, a subsidiary that is focused so much on, on the potential of, of a space. And so into it, we said, why don't we add digital? And, and so now what we do is that we have uh, probably India's finest uh, Omni for customer, uh, for, for digital health, uh, spanning pharmacy, spanning uh, telecasts, uh, insights on how a consumer's journey is, but, but really fundamentally anchored in uh, close to a billion dollars of pharmacy business. True. So I wanted to understand recently, if you would have also seen Amazon came and said, we've also wanted a pharmacy in India. And then there are these startups which are already there in the ecosystem. And now they're having talks about Reliance trying to acquire NetMeds. Uh, the transaction is there. So a lot of the big players, you were there, you have one of the largest uh, pharmacy business in India. A lot of the big guys are now in the ecosystem. How is the competition going to pan out? How are you looking at it? And do you have any plans for listing the business and getting shareholder value there? So India is such a large country that I do believe that uh, there's space for many. And, and even today, uh, by the way, everyone that you mentioned today you add them up and they're still not equal to what Apollo Pharmacy is. So, which means that we're that far ahead of anybody in the competition. But I think that tomorrow, there will be, there, there will be a couple of more players. So this is a field that uh, India is, requires that. But India also requires us to protect the 600,000 independent pharmacies that are there in the small villages, that are there in your small uh, localities. Those are your neighborhood stores. So I do think that there's a value not only of, of many of platforms like ours, large organized retail players, but also of the smaller individuals. So that is India. And I think that, that with 1.3 billion people who are not always so well, uh, this is a place that, that people can actually survive. I uh, uh, currently they will not thrive considering the business practices 
of giving 20% discount, 18. I mean, this is not a discount market. This is a value-led market. Because today what it is, is that India needs, one is that they need a reliable supplier. You need good quality medicines. Because the price in India, you cannot get medicines cheaper than India. And that is the fantastic thing about our country. Any medicine in the world is cheapest in India. So what we have to ensure is that we maintain the quality of the supply chain. So such things are way more important. And I do hope by having many of these players, every that will really improve. The ecosystem will improve. Sure. And are you looking to list uh, Apollo Pharmacy going forward in the coming year? We just went through this process. <laughs> so, I, do think, I do think that we're very early in our growth phase. But, uh, but all I want to say is that, um, that we're in a nice position because uh, it's a profitable enterprise. It is a large enterprise. It doesn't need, uh, it is not starved for capital. So, so we do, we're not under pressure to, to, to not do what's right for the shareholders. And, and, and I think that's very important. Sure. Uh, wanted to understand in terms of, you know, running such a large pharmacy business, there's so many vendors that one has to deal with. If we could take a talk about the challenges of running such a huge pharmacy business. Yeah, retail is detailed. There, uh, every um, a, a store would probably have something like, um, you know, between, uh, between 7,000 to 17,000 stock units of just simple FMCG, you know, of the large, of the small, of the local variety, because, you know, in India, in one locality, they like some medicines. So that's the kind of expertise that we've built, that we've been able to tailor make our inventory based on a locality. And that's the beauty that, you know, from the beginning, we've said, let us be, let us behave like a mom and pop, but, but, uh, but we'll standardize the processes behind and I think we've done that well, but uh, 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 I'm very, very fortunate to have a fantastic uh, CEO and a team. All our people have been with us for, you know, ever since the whole journey, most of the people in Apollo, that's been their first job. So what they're driven by is a passion. So these guys, when it came to the pandemic, not one day did they stay back at home and, and they said, no, this is our duty. So, so I, I love the fact that we have such committed, they really think that, you know, as much as a doctor goes in and does a surgery, a person in Apollo Pharmacy who's giving a person a medicine believes that he's also saving a life. I think that's the critical, that we don't look at it as a job, but we look at it as a service and a passion. And maybe that's something that differentiates uh, what, this, uh, what this particular business is about. Okay. And now coming to the Apollo 24-7, you started the whole telemedicine thing. If, I, if I'm not wrong, in February, uh, is it before the pandemic, before India went into lockdown, you started the telemedicine practice. Uh, when did you decide that, you know, you have to get onto the telemedicine bandwagon before anybody else enters or you have to rewire your strategies? So we started it more than a year ago and we took McKinsey on board. We mm -hmm. said it's different McKinsey partnership. We need you to really take us through this, build a team, work on this. So we were in it, in that journey for almost a year. And then we launched. So we had a product which was, uh, uh, we had to have a solid product in place and, uh, 
and you know the service quality delivery the pandemic what it did is that it accelerated growth for sure uh, to be the fastest growing uh, digital health network in in this time required us you know even with this lean team uh, we don't have too many people but still we just put everything behind it and of course apollo's uh, you know uh, experience helped us so we did you know i think that if you think about timing this is the most fortuitous thing that any business could could have wished for you know that uh, not not the terrible horror of the pandemic but the fact that we were prepared uh, the fact that we could switch on for our patients and i think that's important with this that that we could alleviate pain by having 24/7 available for them because and it's not just for patients it's about the doctors look at them they were stuck at home no revenue we could switch on 3000 doctors in a matter of 40 days uh 60 days we switched on 3000 doctors and and then they could get back to work so the fact that we could get people you know uh uh give people medicines when they needed when when there was lockdown in difficult areas give uh, give them teleconsults when they were unwell so i think that was great timing so uh, loving that journey and how many patients i uh, is apollo 247 serving at this point um we have uh, close to 4 million people but the interesting thing is we released a risk scan uh, within within 10 days of the lockdown and we had 15 million people log on to it so and and of course apollo itself has uh, has a cohort we have 20 million uh, customers that we that, that we have their health records and who have been who have been with us so i think that we have an opportunity to serve them also so i think numbers are always there how you do it is so much more important to us so i was coming to that part uh, if you all are talking about telemedicine uh, right now the phrase is that a hospital is a den to death because nobody wants to go to the hospital out of fear that you know i might catch covid so everybody is now postponing their surgeries all these elective surgeries people are postponing them people want to use the service of telemedicine well how does someone i mean how easy or difficult it is to do telemedicine so quickly let me wear my apollo hat apollo please come back uh, because do not postpone we're seeing people come in so critical whether it's cancers that are not detected whether it's uh, whether it's heart uh, problems postponed please do not postpone your health hospitals are safe all hospitals have taken precautions and they will make sure they look after you so that's my apollo hat but having said that how easy is a telemedicine uh our promise and as you know this is our promise that there are many many sites out there but what we said is uh people want trust first you don't want 100000 doctors so the two things people wanted was a trusted service because if they're asking you if they're paying Uh, if if they're asking you for something, you need to be able to give it. And the second is that you need it fast. If you're sick, you you don't want to wait two days, so you need it. So that's what we did. We switched on. So what we gave is 
an Apollo doctor in 15 minutes. On top of which we put in international and national protocols which make you know the liability factor both for the doctor and for the patient, how the medical records, everything is done. That's the technology behind and that is part of trust and safety. So I think that what we're establishing is the highest bar for making sure that telemedicine is of a top quality. True. And coming to the fact about Apollo hospitals and uh, the medical tourism, uh, medical tourism is huge in India and especially a lot of to, uh, people come from states or from Europe, they come for treatments and not only that much, a lot of people from the Northeast India actually travel uh, down south to some of the branded hospitals uh, to get their treatments done who are finding even from Bangladesh, a lot of patients come from these countries to get their treatments done. Uh, how difficult is it uh, or when do you see them again starting to come back are, and how are you treating your old patients? So one is that again telemedicine has been a great boon because we've connected up. Our doctors are connected with our international patients, Africa, Bangladesh, Greece, wherever they are. We've, we've created a service that is actually trying to help them through this difficult time. Uh, the new patients are actually piling up. And, and I think that there's so much pent up demand there that um, one experiment is going to take place from Africa that it's an actual charter that comes in with patients. So I think we're going to see some of that take place that, uh, that we would be able to test them in, in, their, in their country, bring them here for treatment. So we'll have to find unusual ways, uh, but that business is going to definitely take quite a bit of time before it comes back to its old, uh, you know, to, to its old levels. And, and that's a significant drop. But I do think that uh, there's enough demand within local communities and uh, traveling within India will become slightly easier. So. So hospitals will get over the, the crisis. So there's one question I really wanted to ask now that you're here. Uh, first being that uh, A, a lot of people have this perception that you know hospitals are charging so much, the cost for corona uh, medication is so high. But if you look at the numbers, hospitals are going through a massive losses or they've seen the revenues come down. There was a report by ICRA which said that revenues will be down by 15-20%. There could be an EBITDA impact of nearly 60% uh, for hospitals across the country. Uh, are you seeing an impact on the business of Medicare? So Pooja, one thing I'd like to say is that we don't support price gouging. This is not a time when people are sick that you should be able to overcharge them just because you're in losses. So, you know, that could be somebody's economic reason, but it is not the reason for long-term players. So I think that the, that the cautious, uh, the responsible long-term players will not indulge in that. Having said that, some parts of COVID are super expensive. You know, like uh, people who turn, you know, uh, turn bad and you, you, you don't know how this disease plays out, you know, if they get onto a ventilator, dialysis, all kinds of things. And then the associated problems later, post-COVID, all these are really nightmares. So, so let's not play that down. It is expensive and, and, there, and there is a cost. But just 
believe that most hospitals are trying to be as transparent as possible to be able to take that. And, and, and the costs here, way, way less. Just think of remdesivir. It's 4,800 rupees in India per dose. Uh, you need it for five days. In the US, each vial is close to 2,000 to $3,000. So that's the price differential, leave alone the ICU. So, so you know, having said that, I would say that yes, hospitals are, uh, are struggling because of uh, vacancies and, uh, and, and because of our national duty. 2,500 of our Apollo beds are being used for COVID patients. And, and it's, not, uh, it's not something that you can really recover costs from. So they're almost, you know, and, and out of our, the rest of our 7,500, we have like, we're seeing the occupancy improve, uh, but it's definitely not to the levels that it was and what it the area. But these are times that people will not judge us uh, will not judge us for not doing well economically. They'll judge us for not doing the right thing to care. And, and I think that's something that uh, um, every shareholder will probably appreciate. That's why our share has withstood that test. And thankfully, we have Apollo 247 in pharmacy. So, so that is, uh, that's, that's kind of like a shock absorber for us. A lot of the people are talking about how prices of medicines will go up because uh, the entire ban from China and increase in costs in APIs. What is your view on it? Very little. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it will not significantly impact anyone because the prices itself are low. So even if that price goes up, so, so instead of spending 1,000 rupees, like a diabetic would typically spend between 1,000 to 3,000 rupees a, a month, um, most of these won't go up. I think that the price differential would probably be 5% in an overall budget. So it's not going to be that bad. And, and, but what we're looking at is uh, it's a temporary phase because in this in the government's Atmanirbhar Bharat, this is a time when we should have done, you know, we should have been investing in APIs 10 years ago. This is a wake up call. Let us do it now. And then we will manufacture not only generics like we do for 60% of the world, but we will also do the whole cycle. So it's an opportunity that we should definitely move behind very fast. And, and it will be a long-term benefit India. Okay. And lastly, uh, as part of Apollo hospitals, what are the new areas of growth that you see? How do you, in the coming years, will, which are the wheels that are going to drive the business? So we have several flywheels. We do think that uh, one thing is that uh, patients will be more focused on outcomes. Uh, and, and we would like to see that uh, we work with a lot of insurance companies to make sure that we keep people healthy and, and not just take care of them when they're sick. So I think this life cycle management and disease management is going to become very, very important in the future. The second big shift that, that we're going to see is that uh, hospitals will have to reinvent themselves. Uh, and, and many metrics will change. So, you know, when people say, oh, the India has only one 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 doctor for 1,800 uh, uh, people. 
you don't need that metric anymore. You can be so much more productive because there's telemedicine. So, so I think that the use of technology, the use of robotics, the use of AI will make hospitals and healthcare way, way more efficient. And Apollo is triple investing behind it, not only in the hospitals through robotics, but every bit of technology to make sure clinical decision support systems to everything. So I think that we're really focused on that. And the third interesting trend will be that healthcare will, will, can, can really move a lot out of hospitals. Uh, we can do more things from home. So we redesign hospitals to make sure that we bring in only the critical patients and maybe many more things will be done at home, care delivered at home, uh, online, offline care that we will uh, invest more to give. And, and that's an interesting trend because again, it, bring, it lowers costs, it, it improves outcomes, and it just helps the whole uh, economy and the system. And hopefully in doing so, we'll hire more women. <laughs> True. Thank you so much for your time, ma'am. It was so lovely to speak to you Thank today. You.